Blog Talk Radio. Everybody, this is Are You Fan Jerry, and welcome to another edition of the Our Big Show podcast. This is our second of the season, and excited to move along into week number three of the college football season. Rutgers Scarlet Knights this week take on the New Mexico Lobos, um, a kind of a brand new opponent for for Rutgers. Um, obviously, a team that we're not particularly uh, familiar with. Um, but a very interesting team, um, and a will pose a, a, a challenge for the Scarlet Knights. This is a team that was a, in a bowl game last year. Um, they run the ball, and it, they run it a lot, and it's a little different than the triple wishbone attacks that, that uh, Rutgers fans are familiar with in terms of facing Army and Navy. So um, we will definitely get into that later on in the show. I have... Um, uh, two callers today I'm excited about. We have uh, Sam Hellman from Scout will be coming on. We'll be talking uh, uh, some of more of the specifics of the uh, of the football side of it. And I'm um, also welcoming um, Greg Ginn who will be coming on in a, in a little bit. And just to recap last week, for those of you who were at the game, it was probably an interesting uh, if you were – in attendance, it probably was a very tough first half. I mean, it was scorching hot and it was uncomfortable. Didn't Rutgers down fourteen nothing to Howard? All kinds of things running through your head at that moment, specifically after what we saw last week um, against Washington. Obviously, Washington's a tremendous team, but just a feeling of not sure, you know, what was going on. And uh, for those who probably did the smart thing and just. Uh, Looked at the score later, fifty-two to fourteen. It's it's totally two different stories. But uh, the way I look at this game, it was it was a first half where you had uh, just many of the struggles that we've seen over the last couple of years coming to about, and even from the way the first half ended with the missed field goal, and it was fourteen fourteen, and you just had a really bad feeling coming into it. Now, obviously, Rutgers came out and just took care of business in the second half. And as I said, uh, you just had a total different um, feeling about the team in terms of taking care of the business. But, you know, if the game would have ended right there, 40, uh, it would have been, I guess, 42 to 14. I still think many in the in the fandom or many in the media or many of us still would have had a little bit of a, a taste that was uh, – uh, left a lot left to be desired, but just within what when the score was fourteen to two, fourteen to to I'm sorry, it was forty two to fourteen. Then Coach Ash kind of made a a decision to bring in um, Giovanni Rossino, the third or actually potentially now second string quarterback, and we heard a little bit of this. Michigan. 
And just like that, the score is 49 to 14. You now have yourself, in many people's minds, a quarterback controversy. Because despite the fact how Chris Laviano has held on to this position and you give him all the credit in the world, he's had two different coaching staffs evaluate him. Uh, he won a, a battle against in clearly a situation where, where Coach Ash brought someone in for the outside to TCU to provide further competition. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, he won the battle. And I think, unfortunately for him, he is not the prototypical quarterback in the system. So he will take a lot of lumps from the fan and, and the media. But at the end of the day, he's it's not his fault that he's not the system quarterback. But here you bring in Rashini, who's a little bit more mobile. And now you had been reading about how he had been climbing up the charts in, in terms of practice. And you have yourself a little bit of a, uh, not a controversy of a question, but then immediately right after that, score 40, not immediately, but later on, 49 to 14, coach then brings in Tyler Odin. This is the true freshman, the quarterback who would most fit this offense. Now, obviously, physically, he has a lot to work on, and we have yet to see him throw the ball, and even uh, offensive coordinator Drew Berenger has mentioned he's not there yet. But in one or two runs, three runs, four runs, you saw what he can do. Now, why did Ash do this and, and why um, this also meant a lot, I think, to both the fans, potential recruits, it, it's the topic of discussion. And I think that was something that came out of this game. If it would just would have ended 42 to 14, probably would have had that feeling of, eh, here we go, let's, let's see what happens against New Mexico. But now we look at this game and you're also – left with the feeling that potentially you're going to get a glimpse of what Rutgers can be in the future. Um, so without further ado, I want to welcome um, Greg onto the show. Greg, how you doing? Well, welcome to the, our big show. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Hey, um, so, you know, I, I, it's always after these games, you know, against, uh, you know, when they play Howard or these, uh, you know, Wonderboy teams, it, it's, you know, it's, it's hard to evaluate whether it was last year, you know, three touchdowns and a half by, you know, uh, Laviano or, or, you know, how Reddick looked throwing again, you know, last year, you know, Jaron Grant on slant and it, you're bringing the competition into play and, and, and just, it's, it's not easy to really gather a lot. Um, but I think there was something very interesting in what coach Ash did in terms of bringing these two quarterbacks in and, and particularly burning the red shutter, Tyler Odin, who, you know, from a physical standpoint, you probably could definitely, we all know, could stand from, to, to sit a year in, in, in the weight room. But I, it was probably a signal of you know, the potential that both Odin has and also what the offense can be with that type of running back. Uh, what was your feelings on, on that move itself? Well, I, I think that once we saw the performance in Washington, I think fans were expecting to see some quarterback play in the second half once the game was put away, um, whether it would be Geo or Tyler Roden getting in the game, I think what the fans and, and most people still haven't seen would be uh, the obvious, uh, okay, Geo really had a couple of plays and then ran for a long touchdown, which is a great play, but he never um, actually got a couple first downs where he was actually – perhaps asked to make a throw or, or, or make a pass. And I think um, the same thing for Odin. He ran left, he ran right, um, and we got down the field and kicked a field goal. So um, until either quarterback can make 
um, a few throws in the game, it's still going to be Laviano's job to to kind of hold everything down until someone can step up and show um, in practice that they have the ability to make some of the throws so that gives Ash another option at quarterback. And um, and Greg, by the way, you know, for those who don't know, it's been a while since I had won. Um, you've been making the rounds right here on the on the other uh, radio circuits and podcasts. So a very knowledgeable uh, Rutgers football guy. For those who are on ScarlettNation dot com, know all about you. Um, now you mentioned, you know, uh, like you said, Tyler Oden comes in left, run left, run right. But to the point of that is, you know, there's no way that Coach Ash burns his red shirt for that. So um, if things are going well or not well or whatever it may be, do you think that um, we see a little more of both of those quarterbacks this week and with the potential of both of them throwing the ball? Yeah, I, my my guess would be I don't think you'd see Odin this week. Um I don't think he's quite ready to to play, uh, you know, a, a certain number of snaps in the game, uh, even uh, against an opponent like a New Mexico. So um, I think if there is any sort of quarterback change, whether it be due to performance or uh, to give the team a boost, or whether you know, you know, God forbid, an injury happens, then I think it would be Geo that steps up and and would play. Um, I, I, I have more confidence in Gio potentially throwing the ball than I would Odin. Um, I, I just feel like he's just a little bit more physically mature and ready to, to make that step. And he's been in the program and in the weight room for a year or two. Um, so I, I would feel more comfortable with that. Now, whether um, Odin plays later in the year, whether that's, you know, game seven, game eight, game nine, depending upon where Rutgers is on the schedule, what their record is, you know, are we still capable of getting to a bowl? Um, I, I think if there's a point where Rutgers becomes not eligible for a bowl and it's in November, I think that would be the time to to really see what you may have with the Tyler Road. So, so right now, we, you know, you, it, it seems like Coach is still going to be obviously trying to win the games, which, he, you know, that's his number one job is to win games early in the season. So, uh, it a bowl game is if it's going to happen, you need to win this game. Uh, there's no doubt yeah. about that. Uh, you, you know, you, you can start to pick out some other games, you know, whether it's Illinois, but if you do the math, if you're going to get to six, this is one of those. So, so I think to your point, um, he's not going to just script in Odin, you know, okay, hey, I'm going to get you five plays. So um, I, I, I think that's a good point. And, um, uh, but it's a tough schedule that Rutgers has because uh, obviously what comes up next um, you certainly, if you don't get in a New Mexico, you're you're probably not getting in the next three games either. So, um, I think what will be interesting is is it's more of the talk that we've heard about, um, you know, uh, Geo's ascension to a quarterback battle. Um, uh, so you're kind of of the feeling that it, it's Laviano still holds it down. If if there's an issue that he needs to be, like you said, bring in a start you think perhaps Ash might go that route and, and, and bring Gio in then? Yeah, I, I think Gio has the, you know, unless something were to change with the status of um, the TCU transfer, Zach Allen, who I think is now, um, you know, for whatever may have not happened in practice or performance, uh, may have fallen behind Gio in the depth chart. 
Um, I, if you're going to go to another quarterback, I think right now, based on where we are in the calendar, it would be Geo that would play. Um, and I think that, um, and I think with regard to, you know, I think the staff is really rewarding performance. They're really looking to reward the hard work that was put in the off season. Um, I think they want to measure the things that they can measure and not just limit the measurements to game day, which is what us fans, uh, obviously, it's really the only thing we have to measure things by is what we see in the game. So, um, you know, if Gio has earned the the respect of the staff enough to be moved up to number two, uh, my guess would be if there is a transition outside of Laviano playing quarterback, it would be Gio that's up next, uh, assuming that the performance and practice and the improvements are still there. Um, I would expect him to be the quarterback that gets uh, any extra reps in practice and then eventually in the games. Uh, very much agreed. And, um, you know, Boyd, well, I guess the interesting part in the decision-making process is, uh, you know, again, as I said, uh, um, you know, Laviano's taken a lot, you know, from, from uh, you know, fans and the like, and, and, it, and it's a tough situation for him, and I give the kid a lot of credit for being able to, at the end of the day, win two battles two years in a row. And, you know, he's, you know, not recruited for what, when you're playing a position that you know your your, your staff kind of wishes that they had another type of quarterback, it's not easy to be. I mean, so um, I give him a lot of credit. Um, perhaps Gio is a little bit more uh, of the balance type, uh, meaning he is, you know, probably a little bit more of a threat. Um, so, you know, we'll have to see how this plays in, into the game. I mean, it's, it's obviously uh, will honestly depend a lot on the Rutgers defense in this game. You know, can they keep um, you know, New Mexico down and perhaps give the coaches opportunity to play with the, the quarterbacks a little bit for, per se. But um, let me ask you from the recruiting standpoint of, of getting um, Odin into the game. And, and, you know, you obviously have Jonathan Lewis um, as a, uh, as a commit the quarterback out of St. Peter's um, who was another quarterback that would fit this offense uh, potentially coming in with now a two-year gap between the two of them, um, and and just also maybe giving some of the kids and the recruits out there a, a taste of what you know. Hey, uh, you see this quarterback uh, Odin that we have. You know, hey, he's not ready, but you know, check out this play, check out that. You know, this is what this offense is going to be in the future. You think some of that plays into it, or or this is just strictly like you know, I'm trying to win games right now. Um, I I, I think it's right now. Um... I think it's more of let's let's try and win as many games as we can, and and I think that the staff probably to integrate some additional running threat at the quarterback position in, and as green as Odin may be and as thin as he may be at the uh, you know he's, he's I don't know exactly what his official weight is, but it can't be over 180 or 185 pounds. He's he's very very thin, but he's obviously had some and foot speed. So I think when you, if you're scouting Rutgers and you've scouted um, the existing office with Laviano and, and obviously we've got a good stable of running backs and you're looking at the recruiting aspect of it, you have to figure that if you're a quarterback recruit, if you're, if you're a Jonathan Lewis or if you're a 2018 quarterback, you would have to look at the offense and say, yes, I can see uh, that you know Laviano perhaps isn't the right fit, but maybe I can go to Rutgers and play early. Um, and, you know, a kid like Lewis, maybe he's looking at his senior season at St. Peter's Prep as, 
it's kind of like a redshirt season. Maybe he's 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 performance uh his performance this uh this fall in high school would be evaluated a little closer than it would be for a normal uh senior in high school where maybe he's thinking I don't have to write shirt when I get to Rutgers my first year. Um maybe I can maybe I can compete for uh you know for some minutes in my first year. So um whether it's Odin, whether it's Lewis, whether it's Geo, I think that um you know the staff is going to embrace competition and I think that the recruiting is going to let kids know, yes, you're going to have an opportunity to compete, and here's proof. We've put Tyler Oden in the game. We've given snaps to Geo. Um, and if you come and you perform and you work hard and you do the things that we want you to do and you put the time in the weight room, guess what? You'll get on the field. And, and I think most kids want to earn a scholarship and they want to see the field even if they're not ready. You know, there's there's a lot of personal pride involved, and some of these kids do want to get on the field as as true freshmen, even though um, in the long run it starts their eligibility clock a little bit earlier than perhaps it should. Yes, agreed. Um, you know, one of the things that I was interested about uh, was, you know, his approach to that. Uh, you know, as a theory, I you know I have to admit I was interested in the in the Michigan State way of doing things, where they basically will redshirt everybody. Um, it obviously works for them, and I think. It, it works because of the fact that, you know, if, if you're recruiting, uh, you know, they're, they're not pulling in five stars. Uh, they're not pulling in two either, but they're pulling in high-level three-star players that in their fourth, fifth year are 22 years old. Uh, that, that, made, that makes a difference, you know, uh, and, and especially with guys. So um, I was curious to see how, how, you know, that would play out with Coach As if he had a similar type of um, – uh, you know, mindset in that way, uh, you know, obviously coming from Ohio State, you don't have to do that. When there's kids that can play, they play, right? So uh, it was, you know, I think there's no quickly answer that question. Like, and he said it in his, you know, post-game. Uh, so I never said I wasn't going to play him. So um, if at the end of the day, Rutgers is in a talent, uh, you know, gap, you want to say, uh, between getting some of the players that they want in the program. So if kids are ready to come in and play, they're going to play. So I think we see that. I think, uh, um, you know, your players like, uh, you know, Bo Melton, um, uh, you know, Everett Warmly, some of the wide receivers that are coming into this program, there's so many guys that, that, you know, I think Rutgers will lose probably it's four top three, four top receivers next year. So you're going to see a lot of guys looking to, to come in and play right away. Um uh, Speaking of guys, uh, you know, we're looking at receivers, um, you know, uh, Harris, uh, uh, Bailey, some of these young guys that are in there. Have there been anyone who's jumped out at you early on in the season that in terms of not just receiver play, but, you know, guys that, that you were like, oh, that's, you know, he's made a big difference between this year and last year? Um, the only thing from the contacts and people that I speak to or interact with uh, through the summer was, um, they felt that Harris, Jawan Harris, would have been in the starting lineup if it not been for him playing uh, baseball. And that's a hard subject to, to breach because um, he came to Rutgers ahead of the coaching change and everything else that was involved, and he proved himself on the baseball field as a more than capable outfielder. I think he led the Big Ten for, uh, you know, bases, I believe, yeah. in stolen bases. Yes, so... Um, and the fact that he's actually on the field in game, 
uh, in game two, the home opener against Howard and, and playing ahead of some of the other uh, wide receiver recruits that went through a full spring practice and, and some summer workouts. And here comes Harris, uh, you know, showing the ability and, 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 and ability to be a gamer to, to immediately earn minutes. Um, that's a good sign. And it's also somewhat concerning to, uh, to your point of, okay, the Bo Meltons of the world, they're probably going to play as true freshmen because maybe they're that talented and they're going to walk in, work hard and, and perhaps earn minutes as true freshmen. So, um, my guess would be the Baileys, uh, I, who I think I read earlier this week, maybe put on uh, defense that I think he may have some sort of minor injury with his wrist or hand or what have you. Um, but Bailey, uh, nice recruit out of Texas, Harris out of Florida, um, mix in the Bull Meltons and Warmleys for next year, and then you perhaps uh, get Amir Mitchell straightened out, uh, the transfer in from Michigan, who was obviously a big receiver right. and a big-time uh, four-star recruit. Um, I, I don't think it will be a lack of talent at wide receiver. Then it, it then reverts back to the conversation. Uh, who's the quarterback that's going to get these, the Meltons the ball? Uh, who's going to make the passes to get these kids uh, the ball in space so they can make plays? Uh, right. And, and one thing about it, uh, if you look at the roster of quarterbacks, um, add, as we talked about, you add in Lewis, uh, you know, everyone still has eligibility for next year. So in, including, uh, you know, guys, guys like Reddick and, and, and Allen. So obviously things need to shake out a lot. You know, there's about four or five guys, six guys. So uh, we're going to be talking about quarterback play for a while. So, and uh, different names. So, uh, it's always, I think, a conversation that you, you typically have is just interesting that there's more than one or two names right now. So uh, quarterbacks, it's going to be a topic of conversation at Rutgers for some time until things start to shake out, um, you know, uh, probably not until, until next year, right? Uh, so now, you know, we, we mentioned Bailey, we mentioned Harrison. Uh, you know, how about defensively, um, you know, Hester had a good first game and then, you know, or I should say one of his more active games since being at Rutgers. And, but then um, I saw way too many missed tackles last week or early on from, from, from him. Uh, you know, we've seen a few improvements on, on some of the, I guess I should say really the linebackers like Greg Jones is kind of, was kind of a surprise in, in not only how he arose to this, his spot and, and, quite frankly, played well. Uh, any, any other guys that jumped out at you that, you know, again, surprised you from the same perspective as what we were looking at offense? Yes, I would definitely say that um, I, I, I think Damon Hayes, uh, freshman corner out of Maryland, um, I, I probably watched the game, uh, you know, rewound the tape uh, two times to watch the Howard game, not because I needed to see some of the big plays that, were made on offense. I just wanted to see positioning on defense and and who was willing to mix it up, get physical, make tackles, and um, and then you mix in Damon Hayes, uh, who's probably going to play a little bit more this week because of an injury. And then you watch some of the plays that really didn't get a lot of attention on special teams. He's he's got the size. He's got obviously um, the strength and ability. Um, I have a feeling um, that by the time it's all said and done, he's probably a, a, an all-Big Ten corner if he stays healthy. Um, I think he's a steal. Um, it would not surprise me that, you know, by the time Michigan and the other Big Ten games roll around, 
as we move through the season to not see him uh, progress to a starter. Um, so I was very impressed with him so far. Um, the linebackers, I still think we have to sort out. Um, I also thought uh, the defensive line played well. Um, they mixed in a lot of kids, but I still think there's the, there's some kids that are gonna uh, gonna have to show that they can play. Um, but on the back end, where I is you know where I think I have more concerns, I think Hayes can potentially shore up a, a, a potential sore spot of not having enough team speed or enough physicality at corner. So I was impressed with what I saw on Saturday. Now, um, looking ahead, I guess, in, into, you know, this week in New Mexico, uh, you know, we, it's probably a, a, a lot different of a type of team. As I mentioned, you know, that we'll, we'll, we've seen in terms of how they run their offense, um, uh, but it, they are coming to run the ball. Um, one of the big issues of Rutgers has always been um, the pass defense, but it was surprising to see the quarterback, uh, Howard, um, getting around the edges a few times. Uh, do you think, uh, I guess, defensively with some of the young guys still, and there's still young guys in, in the cornerback position, and that, um, you know, not many guys having played against this type of run offense, that Rutgers is in a position to go up uh, against it with out the memory of, you know, playing the armies and the navies. Yeah, the, the New Mexico attack is, is a little bit diversified. It's a little bit more advanced than, than the Naval Academy of the Army, you know, um, you know option attacks. Um, from what I saw in the two games I watched in Mexico, they, 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 they have the talent to, to hurt Rutgers on the, on the perimeter. Um, they've got a quarterback that has some size. If you, if he took the number off his jersey, he, he kind of looks at, he kind of looks like Geo, uh, our quarterback, uh, kind of tall, got some mobility, a little bit of strength. Um, but I think the 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 mixing of the the backs and the motion, it's going to probably give Rutgers some problems early in games, and I think that's what we've seen the last, you know, the first two games. It's taken Rutgers probably a, a drive or two or even three to adjust to what the offense that we're playing against is doing. And I think the faster we get used to seeing what New Mexico is going to try and do, um, the better. I think the other factor that hurt Rutgers on defense was um, during the Howard game, you know, we didn't, we didn't touch down. And then the first play after we got the ball, you know, we had an interception on tip pass, and then before you know it, they're already at our uh, in our red zone, and, and then they're in the end zone for a 14-point lead. So the first time we get the ball, whether it's after the coin flip or whatever, I think it's going to be important for Rutgers to do something offensively. They don't necessarily need to score, but they definitely can't go three and out, and they can't give a, a New Mexico team that's on the road confidence to – to get a lead where they're up 10, up 14, and then it becomes much more difficult to, to defend a team that likes to run option, likes to mix in passes if they're, if they're ahead. If you put them behind 7-0 or 3-0 or, you know, you get some offense early, you can probably help your defense significantly more than, uh, than, than you can if you're trailing. So I think that's going to be key for the offense to help the defense out this Saturday. Good point, and and like I mentioned earlier, also you know the 
it's yeah, it's a two way street. You're right. I think the offense by staying on the field always helps defense. And um, uh, you in 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 the spread offense or any offense, especially when you want to be up tempo. Uh, I mean, that wasn't the case. You can't turn over the ball no matter what offense you're running. <laughs> but um, yeah. so as they get on, and if you you know up tempo, you know you you can get into situations where you get off the field very quickly. So um, that is something, you know, as you mentioned, and against a running team that's going to continue to pound on you, uh, your defense can get tired very quickly. But, Greg, I appreciate you um, coming on this show. Um, I know you did some uh, uh, work on the 920 uh, radio show uh, earlier in the week. How, how was that experience? That was, that was fun. It was the uh, first time on live radio. Um, I was I was uh, excited for the opportunity and, and you know, jumped on it as far as the invitation is concerned. Um, I may venture back down there for a second or third uh, uh, radio show if the season, uh, as the season moves forward. So um, I'll be sure to, you know, clue everyone in if that happens again. It was a good experience. It uh, it went easier than I thought it would, but uh, I, I appreciated the invitation, like I said. And um, it's it's a relatively new venture. We'll see how it grows. Good. I mean, listen, one of the things I, I do this, uh, you know, obviously this is not, you know, I'm not a career podcaster or, you know, radio guy or whatever. And this is, it's been something that I've done um, for, you know, a couple of years now to get, you know, people on and, and chat and want to talk about college football, talk about Rutgers. And the more avenues for people to talk about Rutgers, the more you realize how many, how many fans and how many dedicated people there are out there. And it's, uh, you know, it's great. Um, we're going to have Sam from Scout coming on shortly. He has now his own, um, uh, or Scout has his own uh, uh, podcast as well. Um, you know, I know a lot of people don't like talking about NJ.com, but, you know, they got a pretty good series going on with their podcast too. So uh, it's it's almost, you know, it's, it's to build it and they will come. I mean, it, it, there's a lot of people who are, are, are watching and reading and want to talk and listen to about Rutgers football. Yeah, Sam's a great guy. I've uh, met him a few times. Uh, some of the folks at NJ.com are, are also, uh, you know, they're working hard. They're, they're talking to recruits. They're, they're at the games. They're, they're on the field. and they're, they're talking to the parents and the relatives. So, um, you know, we're a Big Ten school. <laughs> We've got a lot of media in the tri-state area. We've got podcasts and great people like yourself doing these things. So I, I only see the uh, the exposure and the, and the media getting larger and larger as Rutgers moves forward in the Big Ten, and, and I assume uh, once Rutgers starts to win more games, the, the sky's going to be the limit. Well, Greg, appreciate you on the show, and hope to have you on again in the future. I appreciate it. Thanks very much, Jerry. All right, man. So, halfway through the show, um, and We'll do this podcast a little bit different than what I used to do in the past. Uh, you know, looking, I used to do a little bit of, of a Big Ten piece. Um, uh, you know, as I mentioned, I think, you know, there's just kind of more of a, a, a need to keep it, you know, going with the Rutgers piece of it. And um, I'm kind of looking forward to, to continuing format of, of looking, you know, a little bit of obviously – uh, what's going on with the program because it, it is definitely in a rebuild slash um, – restructuring of the program under the new coaching staff and then also looking forward to talking about the upcoming uh, opponent and in this case obviously New Mexico so let me welcome um, Sam back to the show Sam how's it going it's going great I uh, watching a little uh, Houston Cincinnati getting ready for some high school football tomorrow hearing you talk about 
you know, my podcast, the NJM podcast, is cool, but as we all know, you were first. You are the godfather. <laughs> uh, it's all I tell you. It's it, it's it's fun. I mean, um, you know, it's 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 actually a great medium. Um, I myself, I took time to actually get used to the whole podcast thing itself, and and uh, it was more last year when I was um, preparing for a fantasy football draft, and I started listening using it in the format of, you know, what's great about it, you don't have to actually do it live. I mean, you can do it when you can do it, and then you listen to it when you can listen to it. So it's it's a great format. But, you know, like I said, I just, I, it seems like there is even, you know, whether it's the coverage for NJ.com or um, it, there seems to be so much more or possibility out there for, for coverage of Rutgers football, you know, and, and again, it all, you know, as Greg mentioned, if they win, things will, you know, start to increase exponentially. So, you know, it's great to, to hear that there, there are a lot of people and we know it that are, you know, looking for more Rutgers information. So, um, you know, we chatted a little bit kind of about the quarterback situation. I'm not going to bring too much of that with you. Um, you know, you know, the only question I guess I'll, I'll throw out there is about quarterbacks, um, you know, in terms of being at practices and, and seeing playing, you know, particularly, you know, not a lot of people know about uh, Giovanni Rashino uh, Bargio. Uh, you know, when you see him as far as his mobility, how mobile is he? You know, how how would he fit into this offense? Um, and do you think throwing the ball that he would be ready to play if given an opportunity? Well, the the thing with Giovanni Rossigno, he, uh, you're right. The the average Rutgers fan doesn't know a lot about him because of the way his recruitment went. But I, I've been following him for three years now, and he's a he's a great kid behind the scenes. Comes from a great family and a great high school program. The reason that he only had one offer, and that was Rutgers coming out of high school, was because he was playing behind a guy named Shane Morris. Shane Morris was a five star quarterback that went to Michigan. And Gio could have quit, transferred, been a three-year starter somewhere else, but instead he stuck to it. Now we're seeing the exact same thing at Rutgers. He, he's been over-recruited by other guys. He could have left, but instead he stuck to it. And the result now is he's finally getting an opportunity. Now, can he throw? Yes. Does Rutgers trust him to throw? I don't think so. Um, if they trusted him to throw, he probably would have thrown against Howard at this point, I look at him more as a guy to bring in as a change of pace option guy if something's going wrong with Chris Laviano. But I do commend him for making a lot of improvements this off season. And if it's to a point where, say, Laviano gets hurt and Gio has to come in on Saturday, I wouldn't lose my mind. I, I would still be relatively confident that Rutgers can run a, a decent offensive attack. Now, um, you know, we talked about um, the – New Mexico um, offense, um, you know, Greg talks about how it's a little bit different than the Navy, Army, Navy, wishbone, triple wishbone. Um, can you give a little bit more information on that? And then how do you think, you know, in the past, one thing about it was great before, you know, when it kind of was a Shiano defense and Rutgers had those small guys, you know, the smaller defensive tackles and the smaller linebackers that were, you know, practically safeties. Uh, you know, they were just so good and quick. I remember going to the Navy game in 2006 where Meekins and oh, yeah. was just amazing. Just amazing. I mean, he lived in the back and backfield. And, you know, 
it was hard for those teams because Rutgers almost was too quick and they wouldn't fall for, for the misdirection type of game and, and very disciplined. They got a little bit bigger. And I think we've had this conversation or, or it's a big discussion where clearly Rutgers is a little bit slower than they were, but that also goes of trying to get bigger at the same time. But do you think this defense um, will be able to, is in a position to handle this type of uh, misdirection and this type of uh, offense coming at them? Well, it, it's funny because you mentioned the size conversation and 06, 07, 08, people would criticize Chiano because his defensive linemen were too small. And then once he started getting big guys, then his defensive linemen were too slow. You know, not everyone is a 300-pound twitched-up Rashawn Gary kind of defensive lineman. So Rutgers has, you know, what it has is what they're going to work with. And I think that they can match up well as long as they're well-coached and don't make mental errors. Now, if you look at Howard, the first two drives, there were plenty of those issues. But after that, they cleaned it up. They tackled very well. Players stayed on their assignments, and that's the trick against an offense like New Mexico. You talk about the triple option and how it's different under Bob Davey than it is at Navy or Army. The first difference I look at is size. In the service academies, you have size restrictions with the military. You have smaller offensive linemen that are cut blocking. New Mexico doesn't have that. New Mexico just has bigger football players that have been trained to do this very specific task that is impossible to prepare for in practice. Now, Rutgers has watched as much film as possible. I do think they match up well, and the guys that they specifically need to have big games this week are Sebastian Joseph at nose tackle, Deontay Roberts at linebacker, Najee Clayton at linebacker, and Anthony Chaffee at strong safety. Yeah, and that always was a big thing, even when um... – you know, in the Seattle defenses where it would have almost that extra player and the guy, you know, whether it was Joe LaFedge, uh, um, you know, Green, uh, Courtney Green, or that, that position. Yeah, Pat that she one Exactly. That's right. Exactly. And, you you know, it, he's almost going to have to play with that because of his versatility, I think, she obviously said. It's, it's, a, it's a great point from that perspective. Now, the when we look at um, – in terms of, of obviously Rutgers kind of dodging a bullet where, you know, the leading rusher is out. Um, it, that, it does hurt. I mean, he, he had, you know, very good numbers. It's all about uh, Taryn Gibson averaging over five yards a carry. And um, it's, you know, a situation, though, you know, we talk about this, though, this is a game where they must win. And, you know, do you feel that there might be even a feeling of almost like this is like a playoff type of game in that sense? Like if, if you're going to make a bowl game, they have to win this game. Well, yeah, absolutely. You you lose this game, you don't go to a bowl game this year. But I don't think that they're approaching it as a as a do or die kind of game. Honestly, the, the Chris Ash that I spoke to today after practice is the exact same Chris Ash that I've spoken to a hundred times. He really is. I don't want to say he's hard to read because I think it's just his personality. He's the same guy every day. He's got a little bit of a sense of humor, but he's all about business. And he's not, you know, Penn State week, we're on extra nerves, or Michigan week, we're talking trash or whatever. He's the same guy 365 days a year. So I think that I really do think Rutgers approaches this game the same way that Rutgers approached Howard, the same way Rutgers approached Washington, the same way Rutgers approached day one of training camp. Um, Yeah, I don't know if we want to do the trash talking to Michigan yet, right? (laughs) 
it'll be interesting. Now, um, you know, it's funny going back to the defensive tackles, you know, you mentioned Rashad Gary, it's just, you know, like, as I always equate defense tackles to as athletes, like, like seven footers in basketball, like, you know, you all want them, right. But, you know, sometimes you get a seven footer and, you know, he's going to have like zero athletic skill. I mean, it's not easy uh, to find the seven foot guy that's mobile. So it's like, you know, finding a, you know, Jerome Brown, you know, 300 pound guy that can move. So, it's 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 something that's uh, a work in progress in terms of recruiting. Um, you know, I guess you know before I let you go, when the the one thing that was interesting though in uh, you know you know big talk obviously about bringing in Tyler Odin. Um, you know, I, I talked to Greg a little bit about it. What's your feel on that? And, and and do you think that he might get some play in here in this game coming up? Uh, I. I... I'm leaning towards no playing this week unless we get to a blowout situation on either side. I don't think that I don't think they trust him enough to be able to handle that workload just yet. But my feel on him is that Drew Maringer brought this guy in to be the future of the program. He came in, he met with Tylen Odin, Chris Ash met with him as a recruit and said, We don't have any quarterbacks that fit what we want to do. You fit what we want to do and that's why he came to Rutgers. So they are all in on this kid eventually. I just don't think it starts on Saturday. Yeah, and it's a good point. I, I, I think, what well, you know, you have this game. Obviously, you know, you have Iowa, Michigan, Ohio State. You know, it's, it, it's, you're not throwing him in there either. But perhaps what happens in practice over the next three, four weeks will determine, you know, how much he's going to play. And I guess they see enough in him that they're – optimistic that he will improve in practice over those next, uh, you know, three, four weeks, you know, or more that towards the end of the season, it'll be some valuable time. So um, we'll see. I'll tell you, uh, you know, it's, it's quarterback controversy is interesting, but they're also a little bit fun from fans because they get to talk a lot about it. And, and, you know, I hate to say that, you know, that, you know, like I said, if that game would have ended 42 to 14, I think a little bit, uh, now, there is some other things to go as long as fans can keep it in perspective and not, you know, start calling for Tyler Odin, you know, in the middle of the, uh, you know, Iowa game in, in a couple of weeks, but uh, it makes it interesting. But listen, I appreciate you coming on the show, Sam, before you go, give a little bit of um, more detail on, on your uh, podcast. Uh, that's, that's on Fridays. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Uh, my show is called the Rutgers Scoutcast. Just jump into iTunes, type in Rutgers, and you'll be able to find it. Uh, I'm not sure when this one will air, Jerry, but my, my interview with Anthony Chaffee is my guest, so you can check that out on iTunes. It's available every Friday. We do a mix of team guys, recruiting prospects, coaches, uh, media guys, just just kind of a mix of everything Rutgers. We try to keep it positive but also keep it honest and feel free to hit the subscribe button and check us out after you're done listening to Jerry's show, of course. All right, Sam, thanks, and we'll do this again uh, in the future. You know it. All right, everybody, this is RU fan Jerry, and I'm signing off, and we'll do this uh, again next week. I appreciate everyone uh, listening to, to the show.